Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome in, everybody, on this Thursday. We'll call it Thursday. It's not being recorded on Thursday, but we're going to call it Thursday. Uh, to the Rebel Report, my name is Michael Bork. I'm really glad to see all of you, to hear from all of you, as I do sometimes, by the way. If you want to reach out to me, if you want to talk, whatever, if you got questions, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, uh, wherever. You know, uh, My email is in my Twitter bio. Um, but I would love to hear some feedback from you guys. The one thing I, I hate about podcasting is it's not live. And I can't hear from you guys. So if you ever feel like just, you know, if you got an Ole Miss question, whatever, whatever it may be, just I, I'm approachable. Send me whatever questions, comments, feedback, good or bad. If you got some bad feedback, why not? Send it to me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, seriously, because some of you do, and I appreciate that. So anyway, enough wasting time. A couple of things I've got for you today. We're still on Jackson Dart Watch. I, I'm kind of exhausted. I, I'm done talking about it. Talked about it on the radio talked about it on live streams, talked about it here. They've lost my attention. When they, if they do commit somewhere at some point, he and Trigg both, uh, we'll talk about it, of course. And if they do go to Ole Miss, it is a big deal because they're two really talented guys. But in terms of talking about it on a daily basis, you, you lost me. My attention span is short. Ted Lasso, like a goldfish. And I'm done with that. So whenever it happens, we'll bring you something, but I'm not going to talk about it on a daily basis anymore. They have lost me. In the meantime, a couple of things I want to bring to you first, a very unique NIL thing is coming to every Ole Miss athlete. And also after that, uh, this is not my interview. This is my coworker's interview. This was Richard Cross sat down one-on-one -on -one with Keith Carter. And it's something you're going to want to hear. It's about 35 minutes worth of one-on-one -on -one interview with the two of them, and I hate to give credit to Richard, but he, he's really good at this. And he, It's a really good interview, and uh, he asks about Lane Kiffin's contract and him being out there for other jobs. Y you know, you get some diplomatic answers from Keith, but he also talks about NIL and the new facilities project and the renderings that are out there and stuff like that. It's really good. It's like 35 minutes one-on-one -on -one with Keith. You're going to want to hear it. And uh, so I'll put that at the end of this as well but first let's talk about this nil thing that is happening and uh there is a group by the way and th this isn't what i'm talking about but there's a group out there that is doing the nil thing very right when it comes to old miss you've seen nil funds or collectives or whatever at other places that if the ncaa wanted to and i think they do want to uh can really hammer because it's not you know, it's not NIL. It's just it's a slush fund is all it is. And the group that and there's a lot of groups working on NIL around Ole Miss. But this one in particular uh, that that I've been hearing about that is kind of out there now. They've started doing outreach and stuff has been put together by very smart people that are doing it the right way, covering all their bases, dotting their T's and crossing their I's, if you will, uh, doing it the right way. And that's why it's taken a little bit longer. But what they're going to be able to do is do it, again, the right way and will hold up under any NCAA scrutiny. And I want to talk to somebody, and, and I've been working on trying to track somebody down from that group 
to talk about that with you. So it will actually be me doing the interview. So you don't have to deal with here and Richard, despite him being very good at interviews. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, I, I will bring that to you at some point. That's not what I'm talking about here, though. That's a very good thing. And you, you should feel good about the people involved and what they're doing and how they're doing it more and importantly, how they're um, making Ole Miss competitive in the NIL front the, you know, the right way, at least where all the bases are covered. This is a little bit different, and this is fascinating, and it's very unique. The Oxford Lafayette County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Foundation are in the works. They, I guess they you know, started leaking the documents or whatever yesterday uh, on – was it yesterday? I guess it was yesterday. Uh, we talked about it on the radio show on Wednesday. I'm getting my days all backwards. Um, either way – they are working on and are finalizing an NIL partnership that will give an equal amount of money to all Ole Miss student-athletes. And there will be other opportunities for some to make more or, or some local businesses to be involved with a particular sport or whatever. But at the baseline, they are working on an NIL partnership that would give uh, essentially a monthly amount to every athlete, every scholarship athlete, I believe, on the Ole Miss campus. They will contain three, or the, the fund will contain three different sectors. Uh, one will just be overall, like I mentioned, then there will be the team directed and then player uh, directed. So the the money itself, the fund will come from businesses and individuals that are part of the Chamber of Commerce. So this is not the city of Oxford, uh, you know, paying Ole Miss athletes. This is businesses involved in the Chamber of uh, of Commerce. And, of course, the athletes will have to do something. They will do, whether it be providing mentorships or, or internships. Uh, they, you know, they have to do something. They have to provide a service of some kind in order to get this money. So the athletes have to opt in. I suppose if an athlete really doesn't feel like doing anything, they can not do that and not get the money. And the, the dollar amounts that are being thrown out there aren't really a whole lot per month. Uh, but it's when you put it all together, it is a significant amount. Any amount of money is a significant amount, especially when it's blanket for all athletes. And you're looking at on an annual basis, a four figure dollar amount that's spread out in monthly installments, at least at its core, that's significant. And on the radio show yesterday, I said it there. So if you listen to it, forgive me for being repetitive. These are the kind of things that need to happen at a place like Ole Miss for it to be competitive. Now, I imagine that once this gets out there, I'm sure Starkville is going to start working on something like this soon and Tuscaloosa will and all that. But for right now, as far as I know, this is unique to Ole Miss. And these are the kind of things that, that you have to continue to do if you want to be nationally competitive. You guys know this by now. It's a small state population-wise. It's a rural state. There's not many huge businesses here. It's tough to be competitive for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, for that matter, against other states and programs that have more money and resources. So what you have to do is be innovative and creative. And stuff like this, where the Chamber of Commerce, who, by the way, I guess they really understand that their biggest economic driver is Ole Miss athletics, no doubt. So it makes sense for them to reward the people that are rewarding them, right? But these are the kind of things that have to happen. You have to be innovative and creative and unique and different and efficient. And this kind of thing that, that is coming to Ole Miss athletes is another example of 
that kind of forward-thinking mentality that you have to have if you're going to be nationally competitive. Ole Miss has to have stuff like this. They have to. And this is a good step forward. So kudos to the people involved getting this done. It makes sense for all parties uh, between this and um, and the, what is it, the Alston ruling, I think is what it's called, where Ole Miss athletes were the, the first to get very significant sums of money uh, that the school can provide for, you know, it was allowed based on a court ruling, and Ole Miss was the first to give their athletes a very significant sum of money. Uh, so between that and cost of attendance and now this, I mean, you're looking at thousands of extra dollars a year that Ole Miss athletes are getting that are not available everywhere. So shout out to the people involved in this. If you want to be competitive nationally, you have to be creative, and this is creative. And so uh, they think that you know it'll be fully announced sometime this spring and fully operational uh, for when the fall semester begins, and every Ole Miss student athlete will be if they opt in, we'll be getting uh, some NIL from the the local Chamber of Commerce. So really, really good stuff there. Uh, this podcast, though, is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market for office technology solutions anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi, if you're located here in this state and you need office technology, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines to cloud storage and data security, IT projects, Anything in between, if it's technology, if it's in the office, absms.com is the website. Tell them I sent you, and you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will work with you absolutely free. The podcast is also brought to you by uh, LBs, just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him that I sent you, because LBs is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. If you're in Mississippi and you are in driving distance from Oxford and you want to cook with meat, LB's is the place to do it. They also have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. So if you don't feel like cooking, they will do the cooking for you. But they're open seven days a week. So if you're looking for meat, if you're looking to cook with meat, LB's, again, just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. So here is that interview now. It's uh, it's Richard Cross and Keith Carter. Uh, we played this on the radio show yesterday, but I know there's you know, the crossover audience is you, all of you don't listen to the radio show and, and vice versa. So wanted to bring this to you. It's a really good conversation and, and you want to hear it. They talk Kiffin, they talk contracts, they talk Texas and Oklahoma, they talk NIL, they talk stadium project. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So I'm going to play that for you uh, here right now. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky or YouTube, same name, or Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast while you're here and leave a rating and a review. And uh, here's that interview now, and that will end the podcast. So here's Richard Cross, Keith Carter talking, well, everything, everything uh, right now. So here that is. Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carter joining us on Sports Talk Mississippi, and he says nothing is off limits. We're going no holds barred for like, I don't know, two or three hours. Maybe not quite that long. Uh, good to see you as always. Appreciate some of your time. A lot going on. I mean, so so you're out of football season. You've kind of gone through the off season. Basketball, baseball is about to start. All the spring sport, sports are about to start. Do, do you ever get a break? We got a little break over the holiday, which was nice. Um, but really, the spring, and, and I tell a lot of people this, you know, football and, and everything in the fall, 
you know, gets the limelight, but the spring is really the semester where we're the most busy. I mean, you've got so many sports and they're overlapping and uh, so many events. It's tough on our on our staff, you know, to, to make events happen and get everything produced and get video boards working and, and all those things at all the different venues. But uh, but it's fun. You know, that's why we do it. And, um, you know, the weather's about to, to turn here in a little bit and get pretty and, and all these outside sports. We hope. Be a lot of fun. Yeah, we hope. Exactly. I'm curious from the time that you got this job to to where you are now if there has been a moment where you said yep this fits this is where i was supposed to be i was ready for this because before you get your first big job i mean you slide into an sec chair for your first athletics director's job i mean i i know you believe you're ready but until you kind of deal with some stuff have you had that moment well, you know, I think there's it's probably several moments, you know, over over that tenure. Um, you know, I think I had a pretty big moment right away, you know, when we had to make a change with football and 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 do that and and you know, I think when you, you go into a football search, you know, you you hear about that your whole athletics career like football search, football search. You know, that's the kind of the, you know, the the apex of of what we do and you know, to do that early on was was good to get that experience and and go through that, but you know, I think COVID has really shifted a lot of things. You know, for me, I've I've been dealing with that really almost the whole time and you know i think that now we're finally back to running our athletic department like we we should and you know the budget's back where it needs to be and all those things so i think the last year um has really been more of a true test of of kind of what it's like to sit in this chair and, and do it with all the resources that you need and, and those type of things but um you know i just I, I love every part of it and it's challenging you know there's things every day that come across my desk that i'm like holy smokes you know are we how are we going to do this you know but uh great staff here great people to work with and and we figure it out but you know i kind of look at it that you know you're never really you never really have that moment where you're like hey I've arrived, you know, we got this whole thing figured out because we're, we're constantly learning. And obviously with college athletics right now, things are changing so much, you know, so many big ticket things that are, that are changing our world um, that I think we've got to continue to, to, you know, embrace that change. Not to make it political, the virus is still a thing. There may be more variants in the future. It's something that we're going to have to deal with, but it feels like as a conference, not just as a, a school, but as a conference, the SEC has said, we're playing. Like we 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 can't go back and shut things down. We've got to just live with this. Is that a fair summation of kind of the league stance at this point? I think so. Um, you know, and our league has done a fantastic job. I mean, obviously, front, you know, first movers that hey, we're we're going to play football and do all those things. Even back when others were saying that they were not going to. Um, and our the medical task force, you know, Dr. Crowther who represented Ole Miss and and all the others have done just an awesome job of keeping people safe and making sure that we're doing the right things. But it definitely does feel like there's a, a shift towards hey, we've got to figure this thing out. We've got to move forward. Obviously, you know, right now we're in a a period where these cases are, are higher than they've ever been. Um, but I think once it goes down, I, I do get a sense that people feel like we've got to. We've got to start using some common sense. We've got to start moving forward and um, certainly take care of the ones that get sick and, and make sure we're, we're doing that. And, and all of our student athletes are uh, we'll make sure they have those resources. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's time to move on and, and make sure that uh, you know we're, we're able to play the games and, and do what these student athletes love to do. You said a lot of big ticket items in college athletics, and I, and I don't think you were necessarily talking specifically about money, but huge like agenda items looks like we've had to kind of kick down the road a little farther expansion of the college football playoff. Can you, as either an athletics director or a fan or somebody with a functioning brain, understand what happened and why it happened 
beyond us just looking at it going, there's some guys that got their feelings hurt, and they said, no, we're taking our ball and going home. Um, I could give you this long answer probably and, and try to, you know, get specific on a lot, but I think you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, this, this is going to come down to everybody's not going to get what they want, you know, and I think that uh, when the when the playoff went to four to four games, uh, you know, several years ago, uh, everybody got in that room and they realized, hey, we're, we're not going to get everything we want, but this is better for, for our sport and we got it done. And so, you know, you think about the SEC, I mean, obviously two teams in the playoff this year won a national championship. Um, but if you're Ole Miss, you know, if you have 12 teams this year, you make it, you know. And so there, there's some things there that, you know, we, we'd love to see happen. And, and it gives a maybe a school like Ole Miss an opportunity to participate a little more often. So um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I wouldn't uh, – there's nobody else I'd rather have in that room than Greg Sankey, you know, working for us and making sure that the, the, the best interests of the SEC are, are, are at hand. So uh, I think we'll get there eventually, but, uh, you know, it's going to have to take a little time to get there. Greg Sankey doesn't usually say things accidentally. I think most of what he says is pretty well thought out. And yet his tenor and kind of his tone has changed pretty dramatically in the last six months to a year. Is he just fed up with it? And he's like, I don't care anymore. I'm going to say what I think. Is he trying to send a message? Have you noticed what I'm talking about, kind of the shift in the way he says some of the things that he says? Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Greg is very calculated. Um, and, and I think for him, you know, he to go down the road of 12 teams, I think, you know, or, or an expansion in general, um, you know, he's worked really hard at that. And then all of a sudden you get in the room and, and people can't agree on things. And, you know, for him, he's like, hey, like I said, tw- Ford's working. Ford's working for the SEC. Like, we don't have to make this change. And so I think for him, you know, the SEC has some leverage. You know, we have some – obviously, we're, we're a big uh, a big voice in that room. And, and for him, and again, I, I love the fact that he's going to stand up. He's not going to uh, – he understands that we may have to make some concessions in different places, but at the same time, um, he puts the best interests of our league, you know, first. What did you make of the comments that he had a couple of weeks ago – when this thing kind of fell apart at the end where he said, don't just assume that we're going to come back to the table if there's a tipping point down the line, meaning when the current contract ends and it's like, okay, now we got to do a deal. Don't just assume that we're going to be on board with whatever you think needs to happen then. Yeah, again, I, I think that that's just Greg saying, hey, we, we, we're, not, we're not in a bad spot where we are. You know, I mean, we, we can have an opportunity to keep rolling, and if we want to have a conversation, maybe we will, but maybe we won't, you know. And so, I mean, do you think that was as much a threat about, look, we're going to be big and strong, and we're going to have two more teams then, and if we want to just step away and do our own thing, we might do that. Well, possibly. Was that, was that a shot across the bow there? Possibly, yeah. You know, because I, I do think that, uh, man, what what a changing landscape we have in the NCAA right now. You know, just overall. I mean, we had the convention last week, uh, voted on a new constitution. Um, we'll see how it all works. Um, you know, I've got some some reservations about how it might work but um we know we need change at a national level and it all trickles down to you know to football and and what you're doing in different sports and um you know could i see something happening at some point where whether it's the sec or the the power five or, or whatever breaking away who knows you know i mean something like that could happen and who knows what that means for the playoff at that point so um again that's where i i, I said the big ticket items i mean there's there's some really heavy things right now that are happening in college athletics that could you know really maybe change the landscape of what we're doing more than anything in the in the past 40 you know 30 or 40 years all right so part of the new constitution that you guys voted on theoretically gives different levels of college athletics the ability to kind of create their own rules 
I know that there are other sports that are involved, but in the state of Mississippi, it's such a big deal. Are we trending toward baseball having more than 11.7 scholarships, whether that's 20 or 25 or 27 or whatever? I'd love to see it. You know, um, you know, I don't know what that process exactly looks like, you know, how long it would take to get something like that done. But, um, you know, I've always said that that was not the right place to be. And, you know, just to be the the uh, the answer to a math problem, you know, this is this is how many scholarships you get because of the math problem. It just doesn't make sense. And so, you know, to me, I, I think that, you know, a lot of our equivalency sports, not just baseball, you know, need more opportunities for young people. And, you know, it, it's it's forcing young people to, to do other things. And, you know, if you're, good, if you're a good baseball player or a good track athlete, you know, you need to you need to be supported and have the resources that you need. So um, even though it's probably going to cost us a little more money in the long run, but I, I would be all for that, giving student athletes more opportunities. Title IX obviously is incredibly important because of the the role that it plays, but I've always wondered or argued for why, why not take football out of the equation? Say we all understand that football pays the bills everywhere. Let's pull it out of the formula, out of the equation, and then just match scholarships one for one in every other sport. What what would be the opposition to that? Sounds very rational. Uh, sometimes we don't always work that way in, in college athletics. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you take football out of the equation, it, it's much easier to make things it's match 85 up. Scholarships. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, you, know, you take that out of the equation. It's very easy to match up baseball and softball and men's and women's tennis and, you know, those type of things. So, um, I, I think anything's on the table, Richard, honestly, you know, I think that they're the, you know, the thought leaders in our in our industry right now um, are willing to put anything on the table. And I think that this is kind of that crossroads moment where you know, we're going to look back in two or three years and say, we, we had a great opportunity there. Hopefully we get it right. Hopefully we're able to, to fix some things long term. And um, you know, now's the time to do that. Going to take a quick time out in our conversation with Keith Carter, Athletics Director at Ole Miss. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com. Continuing our conversation with uh, with Keith Carter, when are Texas and Oklahoma coming? Uh, the commissioner has been very clear to tell us uh, J- July 1, 2025. So, uh, you know, I-, I think that's, in my opinion, that's likely when it's going to happen. I say it, it feels more and more likely, doesn't it, because of the just insane cost for those two schools to leave the Big 12 early? Yeah, and and you know what you're what I'm hearing is that you know obviously the Big 12 doesn't really have an appetite to let them out of any any of those uh, obligations. So um, you know it'll be interesting. Who knows? It, it could happen. I know we're all obviously already working with um, you know those ads on scheduling, future scheduling, those type of things. So there's discussions happening there. Um, but that's an awfully good jumping off point. You just kind of let us into. Yeah, well, and it's it's one of those deals where we obviously have to to plan, and we have to, you know, the plan now is for that twenty that that season after they they join us, and if it happened before that, then we'd have to adjust. But um, there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, obviously football scheduling, but scheduling across the board with all of our sports and yeah. what that looks like, and adding two teams. So a um, lot of lot of discussions around those things happening right now. All right, so July 1, 2025, Texas OU become part of the league. Season kicks off. Let's just say September first. Uh, how many conference games? I don't know. Um, you know, there, again, there's a lot of discussion around that. I, oh, I, come on. I think you're looking at eight or nine. I mean, we obviously have eight now, but I, I, I don't, I don't think you go to ten. Um, I, you know, we had ten games last year, and I think all the fans love that, and TV love that, and you know, all those things. I'm not sure the players and the coaches love that as much. With, with well, that. the coaches are making making seven and eight and nine and ten million dollars a year, so they can just kind of get over it. 
all right, we'll we'll move on from that. Uh, don't totally disagree, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> well, and you know, you do you do think about student athletes though. I mean, especially if you're talking about an extended playoff potentially and those type of things, and you're looking at teams that can play you know 16, 17 games in a year potentially if they play in their conference championship game. So that's a lot of football in one calendar year. Yeah. Um, so you you got to put all of that in in the equation. But um, you know, I, I think that I'm I'm really to me when when Oklahoma and Texas. We found out they were going to be in the league. The best thing for me was the fact that we were going to have to have this scheduling conversation. Because to me, I don't like our current model. I don't like the fact that we go to Florida once every 12 years and they come here once every 12 years. It's just, it's not a good model. And student athletes don't get to play, fans don't get to see them, you know, those type of things. So to me, the frequency of which we rotate. Uh, is is a really exciting thing to talk about, um, and hopefully we can figure out a way where we're playing home and away every four or five years with each school, which yeah. would be really neat. Pods or divisions? Um, I don't love the pods, honestly. Um, I just don't. It, it's. I think there's a better way to do it. Um, I'm not sure you need divisions. I'm not. You could just have one overall schedule, you know. And, and to me, it's all about. You're going to probably need. Do you put permanents on if you have just one through sixteen? Yeah, I think you can. I mean, obviously, we will. We, we would always want to make sure Mississippi State is is a permanent, and I, I think they feel the same way. That's a rivalry we want to continue and make sure we're playing every year. And then maybe add one more or two more. You don't have to necessarily, but to me, it's about the rotation. We just want to make sure that that teams are rotating through Oxford, and we're going to Norman, and we're going to Gainesville, and and all those things on a regular basis. Um, you want to find a fair way to do that so that you know you're you're not overloaded every so year that would be like a de facto scheduling pod but not a pod for the sake of determining league championships that's right that's right yeah i mean if you depending on how many permanents you had uh you could you could kind of look at it as a pod in, in you know in some ways but um but you know to me i i think it's a i think it's a great opportunity for us to to get this right having you know the the two new teams in will make it make it very attractive for season ticket holders and again for student athletes at the end of the day you know i want to make sure that they're playing all the teams um you know and who knows it, it it's not a bad thing if alabama's not on the schedule every year right it's not it's not a terrible thing some would argue it's not a terrible thing <laughs> uh visiting with keith carter athletics director at Ole miss you had a uh, kind of an interesting uh, off season is not the word but basically from the end of football season through the national championship game uh lane kiffin's name was in a lot of different places. Uh, I don't know how real all, all of that stuff was, but in terms of you doing your job, working through a contact, uh, contract extension, fielding questions from fans, uh, maybe assistant coaches about the future, uh, what'd you learn? Well, you know, I learned a lot, and, and you know, we knew when we hired Coach Kiffin that this was going to probably be an annual thing. You know, his, his name is a big name; it, it carries a lot of weight nationally. Um, you know, whether it's true or not true, he's, he's involved in every search that's out there, you know, and, and so you gotta, you gotta be prepared for that. Um, you know, we actually started early in the process, like mid October, um, talking to him and his representation about a contract extension and they were awesome. They were great. And we, we worked through it and, and eventually got there. Um, but I, you know, I think being proactive on that helped 
and uh, you know we had to work through you know some things and, and we got there but um, you know th- this was a big off season you know as far as the the silly season and the coaching carousel I mean you think about you know USC fires their coach in what week two or week three and LSU fires a coach in the middle of the season Florida does the same you know these these schools are getting ahead of that now used to used to be that you know that Sunday after the last game you know after Thanksgiving all these coaches get fired but but now people are really getting in the market early because of the early signing period and making sure they have a coach on hand for that you know for that process so it, it was kind of nonstop, really from the beginning of the season you know even even when our specific situation USC and Lane's history there you know there's already speculation in week three that you know he's a candidate for that job and those type of things so um, you know, Lane and I have a great relationship. We communicate very well, and um, you know, we were we were in lockstep the whole way and and on the same page. And it just took a little time to hammer it out. But uh, you know, th- those are those are interesting times, and you know, a lot of information out there that you kind of just have to you know pass on and and not worry about because everybody's got a source. Everybody's got you know so many different things going. But uh, it worked out well, and obviously couldn't be happier to have Coach Kippen locked up. What's your level of concern? about the amount of turnover on his staff? Well, you know, it's a lot. I mean, you know, I think there's only two coaches remaining from the original staff two years ago. Um, but it's, it's you know, I think that's part of it. When you have success, um, you know, people are going to say, hey, how are they doing that? And they're going to come and look at your coaches and those type of things. And I think this year, you know, we had some unique circumstances with some of the guys that left, you know, guys that went back to their alma mater or guys that went to a, an opportunity that, you know, maybe they just felt like they couldn't pass up and those type of things. So, um, you know, I do think the mark of a great coach, though, is being that CEO and figuring that out. You know, you look at what Coach Saban's done over the years and all the turnover he's had, and he always seems to find that next group of great coaches. And, um, you know, I think Lane's done a good job of filling positions, and, um, you know, hopefully that will work out for us as well. So we're trending toward baseball season. Ole Miss baseball fans are vocal. Um, you've had to deal with that with, with Mike Bianco in the past. Um, basketball maybe is not going as well as some people would like, and so social media, message board communities, and I know that's not exactly real life, but it is a vocal minority. Start talking about, oh, well, you got to make a change here in basketball, or you got to make a change in baseball. How, how do you look and judge and decide – Yes, what what those people who may or may not have their names attached to it are saying is valid and it's important, or there's some people that just aren't going to be happy, period. i got to look at this differently. Well, before I answer that, you mentioned basketball, and I'm assuming you're talking about men's basketball, but our women's basketball team, 17-2, and two, ranked for the first time since 2007, huge matchup against uh, South Carolina coming up. So, to clarify... The women's basketball team yeah. rolling pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, men's basketball, and Kermit would tell you this, not you know, not not to the standard that you know that he wants, and obviously tons of injuries and so many factors that have you know played into this season, and and you know, love the win against Florida, and, and hopefully we can get it rolling. You know, to me, I, I try to take all that with a grain of salt, Richard, because um, I'm not a guy who's going to make a unless a coach does something that's egregious, that's you know, breaks a, a law or so, you know something where we have to make a change immediately. I'm never going to be that guy that's going to make a snap judgment because we've lost a few games or you know those type of things. We get to the end of the season, we'll evaluate the season, see what we need to do. Um, but you know, I, I, people in this social media age, they 
you know, they got it at their fingertips and, you know, we have a bad game or a bad stretch in a game. You know, I, I can't tell you how many tweets and different things, emails I get, you know, in the third inning of a baseball game. You know, somebody hits a, a three-run homer and we're down 3-0 and, you know, got to make a change or, you know, whatever. You know, use baseball, but in basketball or whatever. And, you know, you just have to realize that, you know, you got to stay level-headed on that. We, we've got great coaches. we got we got coaches that put in the time and the effort, and uh, they know their teams better than, than I do, better than the fans do, and, you know, those type of things. So, you know, I'll never be the person that's going to, you know, we lose a game on a Tuesday night and we're making a change on Wednesday because that's just not how this business works for me. So I try to – I try to – read some of that stuff and and then again just let it pass and 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 try to evaluate and do the best we can you know by season's end sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com we'll take a timeout. we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll wrap up our conversation with keith carter athletics director at old miss sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm supertalktv.com this capital campaign uh, that uh, you announced officially in new orleans around the sugar bowl it was talked about for for months before that um 400 ish million dollars uh certainly is a big number and covers a lot of ground there are people that would say spending money on anything other than football is money that is not well spent how would you respond to that well i I would disagree with that um you know certainly and we all knew this before and we learned this even more during covid football is very very important obviously we we (laughs) need to sell out the stadium we need to do all those things and it it drives so many different revenue streams that trickle down to other sports and other programs Um, so we're never going to stop supporting football at a super high level Um, but at the same time we want to have a complete athletics department you know we finished number 22 last year in the learfield directors cup which is our highest uh, ranking we've ever finished and that's great i mean to me that's the mark of a, a well-rounded athletic department and so while we'll continue to push football and obviously there's some huge components for football in this campaign um you know we've got to do something for softball we've got to do something for soccer those, those those venues have not been touched you know in a, in a large way and 15 or 20 years and so we've got to go over there and, and do some things um you know golf we win a national championship we got to continue that that progress and so we're excited about that but you know I, I think that it's you know the mark of a good athletic department is certainly you want to have great football if you're in the southeast and in the southeastern conference you want to have great football and, and we will and do but at the same time um you know we've got to, we've got to be complete and we've got to make sure that we're giving the resources to coaches and student athletes and other sports as well what about baseball specifically? You, you've invested a lot of money into uh, into Swayze Field, and yet, like, there's kind of always another project on the horizon. How much can you continue to invest in baseball, which has become, I guess, a profitable sport, but not a revenue generator in the way that a football or a basketball is? Right. Yeah. You know, we're we're one of maybe. 10 or so departments in the in the country that uh, are cash flow positive on baseball which is um, you know that's like making a huge profit because mo- most schools are, are spending a lot sure. of money there and, and with no return so you know that, that's a credit to what coach B has, has built here over 20 years and um, you know all the things that we have in the stadium now are fantastic but uh, you know you always want to continue to get better and you know I think for us um, you know it, it all kind of started with the fact that we love what we have out in right and left field with the students section and then obviously what our folks have you know on the left field terraces there but we wanted that to get better you know that was where this whole thing started how, how do we improve on that we got so many requests 
there in left field for how can we get in there? How do we get space in there? And we're just we're sold out. There's there's no place to put people. And so, you know, bringing those all the way into the fence on both sides, creating more space. And, um, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people say, hey, we don't want to change any of that. Well, we, we sure don't. We don't want to change any of that, but we want to make more and we want to make it better. And so as we started talking, you know, there's some components to it that, you know, I think are going to be really neat. The, the indoor facility out in right field um, is really kind of a, something I noticed when we were at Arkansas in 2019 for the Super Regional. Uh, they have a full indoor infield. It's turf. You can drop down the nets. You can have a simulated game there, um, all of that. And I think it'll just be a huge resource, not only for baseball, but the facility can also be utilized by softball and other sports as well when, you know, inclement weather and, and those type of things. So I think that'll be great. But, you know, baseball is a sport here that people love. It's a it's a sport that people pay attention to. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're continuing to, to build that facility, you know, not only for the student athletes and letting them, you know, grow and develop, but also for our fans and making sure that they're having a great time as well. So I don't know that you ever get to a point where on a Tuesday or Wednesday when it's, you know, 50 degrees outside, there are 8,000 people there for a night game in mid-March. But obviously on the weekends, it it has turned into an incredible event. And the season ticket numbers back it up. You're closing in on 8,000 season tickets. If you continue to create more opportunities for fans, whether it's with suites in the outfield, right field, left field, more premium areas, more seats, can that season ticket number continue to grow? I mean, is there a cap on what baseball season tickets can be, or can it go from 8,000 to 12,000? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it could. You know, this year, unfortunately, we had to turn away about 200 season ticket, you know, people that requested season tickets. And so, um, you know, I think it, if it can continue to grow, we give the opportunities for people to, to have, you know, seating and premium areas and those type of things. I think it can. Now, I don't know if we can get to 12,000, but we could sure go from 8,000 to 9,000 pretty quick and 10,000. So, um, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, we want to continue to study and make sure that we're, we're you know, the value that we're putting in, we're receiving the value back and, and all of those things. But at the same time, you, you talk about that atmosphere, you know, on a, on a beautiful April Saturday. Um, it's hard to beat. You know, it's, it's one of the best things we do here at Ole Miss. And so I think we can continue to grow that if, if we continue to put the resources in. Do the left field and right field areas for, for fans and for students actually get bigger with what you're doing as they come closer to the field or are they just closer? No, they get bigger. They get bigger. And, and again, we, we have not we haven't hired an architect. Everything that people have seen are just conceptual. Um, and so once we get the architect in at some point and really dive into it, we'll have obviously more information. But again, we, we don't want to, to lessen what's happening out there. We, we love the atmosphere. We just want to make more of it and, and maybe even bolster it in some ways to where we can add more people, give more opportunities for fans to be out there and enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it bigger and better. Two things for you. One baseball related and then one I want to hit on NIL before we wrap up. Do you want to weigh in on the uh, the right field tent controversy? <laughs> like there were people that saw a picture of a tent premium area in progress that lost their minds. Yeah. I think I think we're a little jaded after the uh, the the student section tents, you know. And, yeah, those were terrible. Those were bad. Those were really bad. We, we got them. Agree. We got them out of there. Um, <laughs> but you know, th- this one and it's unfortunate, Richard. You know what we're trying to do out there is really 
uh, gauge interest for for the future long-term project. You know, coming off of that indoor facility that I mentioned, we're hoping to have some premium aspects out there behind the student section, which are going to be really awesome. Um, but this one, we just want to kind of gauge interest. And unfortunately, I think some pictures got out there. It was maybe, you know, 40, 50 percent finished when the pictures got out there. It's going to be really nice when it's all said and done. The graphics are going to be really cool. Um, and I actually went out there and walked it. I think the people who are buying tickets out there are going to love it. It's a great view uh, right above the student section. So they're going to be right in the middle of, of all the festivities out there with the showers. So it's going to be good. And again, we're just always looking at ways to enhance our, our, our projects and our facilities, uh, give our fans more opportunities. That was really one of the drivers, too, is being sold out of season tickets. Where can we put people? You know, where can we add people? And that's been really neat for people to have that opportunity to do that. So bear with us. We're going to get there. And I promise you on that April Saturday that I mentioned, uh, it's going to look pretty awesome out there when, we're, when we get that first shower going. Name, image, likeness, NIL. I mean, an acronym that didn't exist a couple of years ago, and now it exists everywhere you look. It has changed the way recruiting is happening. It certainly has changed the way the transfer portal is operating. It seems like such a big component. It's absolutely on the minds of student-athletes. When you sit in your chair and you think NIL and what it means for Ole Miss and how it's working at Ole Miss, where where are you? Well, you know, I've been a I've been a proponent from the beginning that NIL could be a good thing. You know, that, that student athletes deserve every opportunity that a normal student has and if they have if they're smart enough to come up with some app on their phone that makes money or go up to the square and do an appearance and make money, why should they not be able to do that? So I'm I'm all for NIL and giving those opportunities to students um, you know I think it's taken a little bit of a different turn you know with some of the things that we're seeing and you know the, the other thing I'll mention before I kind of go into it some of the things you're reading on social media you know knowing what to believe and what not to believe I think there's a lot of bad information about some of these monetary figures and different things that are happening out there but you know I think it all comes back to some of the things Richard that we've dealt with in Mississippi for years I mean it comes down to resources it comes down to alumni numbers it comes down to a lot of those things and so, you know, we've never had the ability to match up every day with a Texas A&M or an Alabama or, or a Florida from that perspective. But we've always been able to be more efficient. You know, what John's doing down in Starkville and Jeremy's doing down in Southern Miss, like it's pretty amazing what we've been able to accomplish relative to some of those obstacles. But, you know, this is going to make that even more. You know, at the end of the day, I think two years from now, we're all going to be doing the same thing in NIL. We're all going to know you know, the best practices and here's what works and here's what doesn't work. And it's going to come down to resources at that point, too. So um, I, I don't go to sleep with heartburn and, you know, my hair's not on fire about NIL. I think it's it's certainly a very com complex challenge that we're going to have to figure out. But at the same time, I, I welcome that. And, and I think Ole Miss is, is, is doing some really cool things that uh, will put us in a good position to be successful. So in terms of, of scholarship student athletes, I mean, if you're on a full scholarship, room, tuition, books, that, that's all being paid for, which is kind of what we traditionally think. What else are they getting? So so if we're talking about a, a full scholarship, women's basketball player, men's basketball player, football player, golfer that happens to be on a full ride, in addition to tuition, room, books, board, meals, nutrition, that stuff, what, what's going into their pocket? 
Well, you know, the cost of attendance was another big issue about five years ago that we thought was going to ruin college sports and, you know, not enough money to go around to do it. And obviously we've all figured that out. That's a little under $5,000 a year if you're a full scholarship student athlete that goes into your pocket. Semester or a year? A year. Okay. A year. And then, you know, on top of that, we were we were the first school to implement the Alston uh, ruling you know, that, that allowed student-athletes to have that opportunity to, to be compensated for academic awards, um, and we were the first school to do that. So that's another $6,000 a year. That okay, they, so we're up to 11000 That's right, and that's for all student-athletes. That's for equivalency, walk-ons, full-ride, full everyone. So we, we went and decided to do it for everyone. Okay. Um, and then, you know, whatever NIL happens, you know, at that point, um, obviously you mentioned the unlimited meals. There's, you know, unlimited uh, resources to mental health professionals and you know, academic professionals and, and all those things that we've always had. But um, it's a pretty sweet deal. You so, know? so if you're a partial scholarship, I mean, depending on what situation you come from, this can help a lot in terms of what it costs you to go to school or if your parents are great and they're paying for it, you got money to put in your pocket. But if you're a full scholarship person, you're talking about eleven to $15,000 of cash that's going in your pocket as a college student. That would have been pretty cool to have, right, back in the day. We could have had some fun in Oxford. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But, yeah, you're right. And, and again, I'm all for it. I mean, you know, a lot of times these these young men and women, these four years are their opportunity to be marketable. It's their opportunity to to maybe have some of the best – opportunities of their life they're coming from tough situations they may go back into a tough situation hopefully not hopefully we get them a great degree and they can you know go get an awesome job and 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 change that cycle but at the same time while they're here i'm all for doing everything we possibly can to help them give them the opportunity to have a great college experience and you know i remember in college there were nights when you wanted to you go out on the town you didn't have any cash you know and and it just part of it but this helps that and it gives them that opportunity if they want to go on a date or they want to go to the movies or whatever um i'm all for for doing that i'm glad we're doing it yeah a super talk mississippi media production